I'd like to invite you to take your uh, copy of God's Word and turn to the Gospel of Luke, um, Luke chapter 5, and we're going to read verse 16. Would you stand please with me as we read the Word of God? But Jesus often withdrew to the wilderness for prayer. God, we come to you this morning, and as we look at the life of your son, Jesus, and how he prayed, how he communicated with you, God, I pray that there will be lessons for us to learn so that we might grow in our prayer lives, our intimacy with you, our closeness, our love, our affection, our obedience, that all of these things would grow as we uh, lean in to you and we take what is given to us here in your word, not only the commands, but also the example uh, given by your son Jesus, that it might be used by you to make us more like him through your spirit. And we pray all these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. You may be seated. So, um, my house is an interesting place to be. I really just don't know what might happen at any time. I mean, there's there's, there's certain things that, and, and here's what I mean. Like, one of them is, you know when you're watching a musical, and, and in musicals, it's just totally normal for people to be having a regular verbal conversation, and then song burst out, and before you know it, people start dancing, and, and there's just, well, this happens at my house. I, I don't know how this happens, but because everybody else but me is very musical, we can just be talking, and something rings a bell with a song from 1989, and all of a sudden, man, we are singing a song all together, and there's probably some dance moves thrown in there, too, and, and I just kind of go with it. Like people in musicals, I'm like, oh, sure, this is normal, you know, and, and just kind of go along and... And enjoy it. The other thing is that I that I notice at my house that makes life interesting is the voices in my house. Now, here's the thing: we've got we've got people, we've got adults, we've got children, we've got animals, and so you know, learning how to tune in to the right voices. I hear a voice, and I think, "Oh, that's about what? What did you say, hun? Uh, no, I was talking to the dog. Okay, I, I should have known it was such a sweet tone, you know." And then. Um, you know, and then I, I hear something. What, what did you say? Hey, no, no, I was just talking to myself. I'm okay, all right, you know. And, but then those times when I hear a noise and I think, well, surely there would have been a loud, clear Tim at the beginning of this if this was for me. So I'm going to keep on watching my ball game or doing my thing, you know. Well, then the time that I think, surely this is not about me because it wasn't all those other times. Of course, that's when I get in trouble. You weren't listening to a word I said. And then I'll just spout. I, somehow, I have this weird unconscious memory thing where I can just spout off everything she said, even though I didn't know it a minute ago. But I can, and she gets so mad at that because I'm like, that's exactly what I said. Well, 
you weren't listening, you know. <laughs> she knows somehow. And so all of these voices in this house, and I, I just don't know sometimes. Is it the dog being talked to? Is it me? Is it the kids? Are people talking to themselves? I don't know. But I kind of had that question. I thought about when you look at Jesus praying, what is that? Is that God talking to himself? You've got here God talking to God. What's going on in that? Well, the Bible teaches us that, that we, we have something, we have a God that is beyond comprehension because we know we have one God, and yet this one God exists in three persons. That's what the Trinity is all about. And get that correct. Not three personalities. God's not schizophrenic. God doesn't, you know, play act like he's the father at one point and then move over and, oh, I'll be the son for a while and then I'll be the spirit for a while. Now, that's not what the Trinity is about. The Trinity is about we have one God, and yet that one God is made up of three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And I think it is so interesting to watch Jesus praying because he's God, Okay, so a lot of the things we go to God for, we think, well, well he's God. Why would he go to God? Because he's God. But there is this relational aspect that we see played out when Jesus prays. And there's another thing. The Bible tells us that Jesus emptied himself when he came to this earth. And, and I've had a, a theory for several years. It may be wrong but I've never seen anything that's disproved it. I have a theory that, that when Jesus came, I mean, he let go of every single what you and I might call God power he had. He laid them aside, and so that every miracle that he does that you see recorded in Scripture is not from his own power, but it's him relying on the Holy Spirit working through him. Why is that important? Because if it's that way, if Jesus is doing stuff in his own power, then we read scripture and we see the things he did, and we're like, oh, yeah, sure, he's doing good. He's God. But if Jesus takes on human form and has let go of all his God power, so to speak, and everything he does is by depending, going to God and depending on the Holy Spirit of God, then that makes it completely different because then we can't just say, oh, that's God. It's a different category we see, oh, that's Jesus who was completely man, and though all he was also completely God, he laid aside those, those God abilities, and he's doing everything he's doing by depending on the Holy Spirit of God, then he becomes an example for us that we should do what we do through the power of the Holy Spirit. So this verse that we read just a minute ago, it says, it says that Jesus often withdrew to the wilderness for prayer. Prayer was a common, common thing. Not just daily prayer. We have examples of Jesus doing the normal kind of prayers that we all do, you know, now I lay me down to sleep. Well, it never says he said that, but, you know, it talks about Jesus blessed the bread and broke it, and, you know, Jesus blessed the fish and the loaves that the little boy uh, brought when they fed the 5,000. And so Jesus did all the normal, everybody's here, let's bow, you know, and oh, we got to dismiss, okay, the disciple. Can you imagine? He's probably like, all right, we got to leave this place. I guess we better bow and dismiss with prayer because that's what church folk do, right? I don't know if he did that or not, but he did all the normal praying in public over meals and other times that, that people normally do. But there was something more he needed. 
kind of like we realize in a relationship, in a marriage, you can talk to each other every single day and, and you talk about the kids getting to school and, and the lunches being made and the bills being paid and, and all these different things. But it's totally different if you go get away and just spend some time when you're not worrying about that. All of a sudden you start to talk about things that never got talked about in the day-to-day rush and busyness of life. Apparently that same thing applies with us and God. Apparently that, that we may have our thank you God for this meal and thank you God for this great day we had and, and we may do all those sorts of things and yet as good as that prayer is, it can be very shallow. And God wants something more to happen in our lives. And so there's all kind of instances of, of Jesus praying in Scripture, but I just want to look at three of them. The first one is in Mark chapter 1, uh, beginning in verse 35, going through verse 37. And in this one, um, I didn't give it to the guys in the back, and so uh, you can look it up or you can just listen as I, as I get there. Mark chapter 1, verse 35 it says this, and by the way, this is after Jesus has been healing, casting out demons, doing all kind of amazing things. Mark one thirty five says, Before daybreak the next morning, Jesus got up and went out to an isolated place to pray. Later, Simon and the others went out to find him. When they found him, they said, Everyone is looking for you. But Jesus said, We must go on to other towns as well. And I will preach to them too. That is why I came. Why do we need to pray? Why do we need to unplug from our routine? And imagine if Jesus needed to unplug in this day, back then, like one of the children said before Facebook, you know, when, when things were really back in the day. If Jesus needed to unplug back then, how much more do you and I in this world, this inf- information world and society where things are constantly be throwing at us, how much more do we need to unplug? I see here in Jesus' example that first, sometimes we need to get away just to get away from people. Sometimes we need to get away from people. And do you know that is not anything about being non-loving or non-caring? Because Jesus loved and cared for people all the time. In fact, he even allowed himself to be interrupted. He'd be going to do one thing. Oh, who's touching my robe? Oh, you need to have this problem. Jesus was fine with being, he going with the flow and being interrupted. But he also had some routines in his schedules. And one of the things that Jesus did was he needed to have some alone time with God. Quite frankly, I think a lot of us are almost afraid of being alone. A lot of us cannot go to sleep without the TV on. A lot of us cannot drive down the road without the radio on. A lot of us can't do many things. We all of a sudden feel very strange if we're in a place by ourselves and it's quiet because we are so accustomed to the noise in our lives. And that noise keeps our minds occupied and we never settle down and get into the deeper things of life. And God has called us get away sometimes. Um, Is it this or that or do we know? Okay, that's better. Good. Um, That noise we need to get away from, right? (laughs) 
Jesus, you know, I, I love how it said here, he went out to an isolated place. Some, some translations call it a lonely place. In other, in other words, sometimes we just got to get to a place where it's not with the dog barking, it's not with the kids yelling, it's not with the TV blaring or the radio pumping. It's just us and God. And I find often that nature is a great place to, you know, Jesus did talk about having a prayer closet. So it's fine to go indoors. And, you know, if, you, if you're not an outdoorsy type, get in that closet, shut the door, and get away from everybody. But in Jesus' example, he often went out in the outdoors, in the wilderness, in the woods, in the mountains, down by the lake. He got away from it all. And depending on your personality, you may be more the closet prayer or you might be the mountain or lake prayer. It doesn't matter. Whichever one suits you and the way God designed you more. But the point is get away from everybody and just have some me time. I was reading a, a, a story this week about Susanna Wesley. Now, she was a mother of seven and John and Charles Wesley, who wrote so many great hymns of the faith and were really the, the beginners of the, of the Methodist church because they had methods, disciplines that they went about in their Christian life. And they, people made fun of them and called you Methodist. All you can do is do a method. You don't really know God. And then the name just stuck. They were Methodist. Okay. And so, but their mother raising seven children, I read the story about her Seven children, okay? I just got to repeat that. They're all running around. What did she do? This story said she'd pull her apron up over her head. <laughs> and she would sit there propped up against the kitchen counter with her apron over her head. And maybe they didn't say so, but I kind of imagine her hands over her ears. And she got some quiet time just for a few moments. Because if she knew if she was going to raise up godly children, which she certainly did, she had to have some time alone. Now notice, when you start watching Jesus' pattern, often this ends up being very early in the morning or very late at night. Neither one makes you more spiritual if you're a morning person or a night person. But you've got to figure out which one you're better at. And you take those times and you get away. Because most of the time during the day... Look, even y'all say, well, I'm not a preacher. I'm not, you know, I'm not this or that. I got a regular job. I don't have the time. Guess what? Jesus didn't go off in the middle of the day and pray for three hours. He got up real early or he stayed out real late. He knew those other times of his day were going to be filled with people. But the times when he could get away, he did. And so we need to follow his example in learning to get away at times. Then back to Luke chapter 5. Jesus has been healing folks, and he's been telling them, don't tell people about it. The reason is, it's not that Jesus didn't want people to know who he was, but the expectations were rising too high, and people had an idea about what the Messiah should be, and they could very easily get the wrong idea and think Jesus was going to be the the next king who was going to throw off the Roman oppression. And, and Jesus was trying to calm down some of this talk that was going around. And he told people, look, just a lot of times he'd say, hey, just go to the priest and go, you know, go deal with this privately. You know, you've been cleansed of leprosy or you've had this other issue. You can tell your family, but don't share it with everybody. But they inevitably 
went out and told everybody. Sometimes I wonder if Jesus was using reverse psychology. You know, what if I said to this congregation, don't you dare share your faith in Jesus Christ. I'm telling you, I'm commanding you, don't go out there and witness. You know, some of us just by our nature, oh yeah, you tell me not to, I'm going to. That's what it seemed like with these folks. But he would tell them and they would go out and tell anyway and everything got bigger and bigger and and so then in verse 15, it says, Despite Jesus' instructions, the report of his power spread even faster, and vast crowds came to hear him preach and to be healed of their diseases. But Jesus often withdrew to the wilderness places for prayer. And then reading on, One day Jesus was teaching. Some Pharisees and teachers of the religious law were sitting nearby. It seemed that these men showed up from every village in all of Galilee and Judea, as well as Jerusalem. And the Lord's healing power was strongly with Jesus. So first of all, we go to the Lord in prayer so that we can disconnect from people and, and connect with him. But secondly, so that we can be filled by him, that we can be empowered by him. We often preach from God's word about the things that we should do and should not do. But when we look at the things that we're asked to do, we realize that, that we as imperfect people are unable to do them. We can pretend. Have you ever run around across people who literally believe that they are sin-free? I have. There are people out there that believe that they have come to a sin-free point in their life and they do every single thing they're ever supposed to do. And the level of self-deception they have is just amazing to watch these people Literally say, yes, I don't sin anymore. Wow, <laughs> you know. But those of us who are not self-deceived in that matter, who realize we falter and fail every day, how are we supposed to live up to what God says? Well, we're not in our own strength. God, it's not the whole God doesn't give you more than you can handle. It's God doesn't give you more than he can handle. You see, God does give you more than you can handle on your own. But God gives you, he never gives you more than you can handle with his power. I think it's very interesting that Jesus goes and spends time in the wilderness in deep prayer. And it's noted in the very next thing, the Bible says, the healing power of Jesus was there strongly. As if there was some times when the power, this healing power of Jesus was not as active. In fact, we know in at least one place, the Bible tells us because of some folks' unbelief, Jesus could not do very many miracles there. Well, it also seems that his power was dependent on that connection with the Father in prayer. And again, if Jesus, the very Son of God, who was sinless, if he needed to connect with the Father so he could live out the Father's plan and mission for his life, then we absolutely positively need to do that as well. And then a, a third passage is just one chapter over, also in the book of Luke. Luke chapter um, 6, verse 12. One day soon afterward, Jesus went up into the mountain to pray, and he prayed to God all night. At daybreak, he called together all of his disciples who chose and chose 12 of them to be his apostles. And here are their names. <laughs> we must have activated Siri or Alexa or something. I'm, I'm not sure who. 
Make sure not my phone, I don't think. Okay. So um, I'll just talk louder. Isn't it interesting here that Jesus, as he's trying, (laughs) it's all right. God may be wanting to tell us something. I don't know what's going on there. (laughs) Yes. Instead of, is there a doctor in the house? So bringing it back in, though. So Jesus prays all night. And then he selects his disciples. How important was it that Jesus picked the right 12? The exact 12 men out of all of his hundreds or thousands of followers, Jesus had a plan and a purpose, and these 12 had to fit that plan and purpose, even Judas. All of them had to work together. And so um, if Jesus needed to pray before he made big decisions. I think you and I need to pray just a little bit before we make big decisions. The problem with a lot of us is that we know about prayer. We've heard about it. If, we, if somebody said, do you believe in prayer? Oh, yes, I believe in prayer. But it's our practice that really is telling. And in practice, When something breaks and we owe a bunch of money or when we know we've got this big bill or this big lifestyle decision coming up, we end up fretting about it, worrying about it, talking to all our friends and our family about it. And then often after we've done all that for a long time, we've got real stressed out and worried about it. Then finally we come back and say, oh, you know, I have to pray about this. I think that would be a good idea for what I'm going through right now. Again, if the one perfect man who ever lived before he made a big decision, if he stayed up praying all night, and I know that thought is just appalling. Stayed up praying all night? Some of you stayed up all night doing other things. He fasted his sleep. Just as sometimes we may fast our meals, we may skip a meal because right now, more important than eating this meal is getting together with God. He actually fasted his sleep that night and played all through the night because he knew that the 12 who would be attached to him would be vital to his mission, not only while he was on earth, but once he ascended into heaven, they would be the ones to carry forth his work of spreading the gospel. Why did Jesus have to pray? (laughs) Same reasons we do. He needed to take some time to get away from the influence of man and get close to the influence of God. He needed to be recharged and refilled so that he might go out and do the work of God. And he needed to be overflowing with God's wisdom so that he would make the decisions and choices that would honor God in his life. And if the perfect son of God needed to crank out some serious prayer time, then all the more so frail, imperfect men and women, boys and girls like us, we need to make time to pray. Our crazy 
human way of thinking is, I'm so busy, I'm getting busier and busier, uh, so I just have less and less time to be in my Bible and to pray. And God's way is, the busier you are, the more responsibilities, the more you better be in his word, and the more you better be in prayer, so that you can carry off and wisely and powerfully live the Christian life and those responsibilities that you have. Would you join me in in bowing your heads for a word of prayer? God, we come to you today, and Lord, we know that we know that we should pray. We learn this when we're little children, and yet, God, it often becomes an afterthought. Or if it's regular with us, it just becomes so surface level. Now I lay me down to sleep. Thank you, Lord, for this food. Bless it. We end up recycling the same words over and over, and and our relationship with you never gets the attention that it needs to. And we wonder why we're weary and distant from you, why we are in a weakened state, why we don't know what to do. When you've called us to depend on you, And prayer is that ultimate act of humility and obedience where we come to you and we exchange our weakness, our our lack of knowledge, our ignorance. We exchange all of the things about us that aren't good and we say, God, we don't get it. We don't know what to do. We can't handle it, but you can. God, you've called us to get away to that lonely place. Maybe it's in the closet. Maybe it's by the lake. Maybe it's simply ducking underneath an apron. But God, you've called us to do whatever we need to do to carve out some serious time with you so that our lives will not be superficial, but God, they would be rich and full as we are close to you. We are full of your spirit, empowered and strengthened and just given all that we need by spending time with you in prayer. God, help us today to say, I am making a change. Not to simply say, God, that's a good idea and I want to do it. I wish I would do it. But to say, God, I'm going to do it. Now help me as I process this, as I say, here's how my life's going to change so that I can be with you more. Help us to not only want obedience, but to actually obey. God, we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.